You know, soccer, or as it's known around the rest of the world, football, uh, it is literally insanely, insanely popular in most parts of the world. But in 2012, during the European Championships, there was a young 26-year-old Chinese guy who literally thought, I cannot miss a single bit of these European Championships. People are humongous soccer fans. So he decided he was going to watch every single one of them. He didn't want to miss a single soccer match. The problem is that the time difference, it's the middle of the night in China during the European Championships. It's one or two in the morning when these things get kicked off. So this young man was going to work in classes during the day, and then at night he was doing this marathon of watching the European Championships. He literally did that 11 days in a row until he died. He literally spent 11 days in a row going to work, going to school, watching soccer until eventually it's believed that he died from utter exhaustion from watching this marathon of soccer. What's crazy is the same thing happened last year during the World Cup in 2014. Another 25-year-old Chinese man died after watching so many soccer games and working during the day. You see, our body is meant to have rest. It's not, to, it's not meant to go on and on burning the candle at both ends. And that's exactly what this young man was doing. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been teaching through this Overwhelmed series. And we've got a lot of feedback from people that say, hey, this is really important for me. I really need this right now. Hey, how can I find this online? I need to watch this. And so it's, it's interesting, as we've talked with people, we found out that there's quite a few folks who are working at the same pace as this young man. They're putting in long hours, they're not getting a lot of rest, they're burning the candle at both ends, and they're finding themselves in a place where they have no balance, they don't have any joy, and they're depressed and they're struggling with life. And as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, as Pastor Christian has kind of did on the first week and then last week, we see this verse in uh, chapter uh, 3, 11 through 13, that kind of helps us to understand what, the, what kind of life God wants us to live. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 11 through 13, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So we've been talking about the fact that Paul, uh, Solomon pointed out in the book of Ecclesiastes that we have these priorities, and we've been looking at them the last couple of weeks. But the problem is, is there's things in our lives, activities that get in the way that help us or cause us to be overwhelmed. It's not that we don't believe in these seven things, a relationship with God. It's not that we don't believe it's important to have a relationship that's deep with our spouse or with our children. We understand we're supposed to have some responsibilities at work, that we should have some strong friends, which at JCI is small groups or serving together, that your health is important and that you should have some hobbies. It's not that we don't believe those things as people in our congregation and people in our world. The problem is that we literally have activities and we're making decisions that don't allow us to get into the proper routines that God has set up for us. And again, last week, Pastor Christian laid out the three biblical routines that help us to live the life that God wants us to. The fact that we should depart and have some evenings, 
to where literally the Jewish people in the evening would be the beginning of their day. And so they'd have dinner together and then they'd spend some family time together and then they'd go to bed and get a good night's sleep until they got up and went to work. Their, their day began with God and family and the right things and then work. We've gotten out of that, that uh, routine these days. And ultimately, today we're going to talk about the fact that we should have some Sabbaths, some days or a, at least a day where we should rest and focus on those important things. So the goal of this series is to help you understand that living these concepts, living these concepts, that they'll lead us to a routine that brings our activities and our priorities into balance. And I don't know about you, but do you want joy? I want joy in my life. I want balance in my life. So I'm going to focus on the second one today. So the ushers, they have some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, this is one you can borrow. This is one you can keep. We've given out a bunch of Bibles. We like to get God's word into people's hands. So open up with me to Exodus chapter 20. And I want to read to you verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we see the, the Ten Commandments require one day off a week. When God gave these commandments, again, the Israelites were working from sunup till sundown. And the gift of the Sabbath was for them to stop working so that they could focus on their family. God gave us this concept of, of a Sabbath rest, one full day of rest. What's interesting is that we've turned into a black Sabbath society. Not many people that I know of take a Sabbath. And when I thought about Black Sabbath, I don't mean Ozzy Osbourne. I thought about showing you a picture up there. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily grow up during the area of, of Black Sabbath, but I grew up during Ozzy Osbourne. So when I looked up a few pictures, I thought there weren't too many of them that were very family-friendly to throw up on the screen, if you know what I mean. Some of you who grew up with uh, Black Sabbath know exactly what I'm talking about. There was actually one of him biting the rat, or the, uh, I don't know if it's a rat's head off or a bat's head off, and I thought, oh my goodness, that guy's crazy. So I'm not talking about that kind of a black Sabbath. I'm talking about the fact that people don't take the Sabbath anymore. They don't, they don't take a day of rest. It's gone from people's lives. We've literally turned the light off on the Sabbath. And so I asked several people, knowing that I was going to be uh, speaking about this, I've been asking people, and not just to find out how they're doing, but I would say, hey, uh, you know, how, how you doing? And what is it people usually say? They either say good or busy. And so I went up to uh, some people lately, and, and most of them always said busy. One guy even said busy, really busy, really busy. So I understand that's what is going on, and that probably describes your life. And I can tell you that years ago when I was in the business world, and in my early days of ministry, I, I did a poor job of taking a Sabbath rest. I really did a poor job of this. Um, I had a drive to succeed, maybe like you do. I wanted to do well in the business world. And then in ministry, I didn't want to let anybody down. So I, I was burning the candle at both ends. I really took a struggle. I uh, had a struggle of doing that. And it took a toll on my relationships. I could tell you my, my marriage struggle. 
We had some walls of bitterness that went up because of decisions I was making of not making my family a priority. Um, I can tell you that there was times my wife would have, would have told people she was a single mom because I wasn't around much. I was busy, you know, four or five nights a week, and I was, you know, doing stuff on my days off just because I didn't want to let anybody down. Um, so not only was I not shutting things down at night, but I was burning the, my day off with activities that I thought were, were going to help me get further either in my job or in ministry. And let me ask you, what about you? What struggles might hit your life if you don't take a Sabbath day rest? Anybody ever had a, a fight because, you know, you were taking a phone call during, during dinner that you shouldn't have? Anybody ever, you know, you're, you're looking at a text and all of a sudden things get kind of quiet because you can tell you've upset your spouse because you wouldn't shut things down. So marriages uh, have issues when, when we don't learn to shut down during a day off. Health issues, high stress. And I could tell you that I was, I was unhealthy. Uh, no rest. People I've talked to are constantly tired. They're exhausted. They can't figure out why. You know, you, you ask them what's going on. Man, I'm tired. And there's no time to enjoy life. God intended us to. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But, but you might say, as I thought about it, there might be someone in the audience today that says, I get days off. What are you talking about? I get, I get one or two days off. But I want to challenge you. Are your days off focused on the six priorities that are not our responsibilities at work? Are you focusing on the other six key principles that you should be focusing on? Is there any rest whatsoever in that day off? So as I thought about our Sabbath rest, three thoughts came to mind. And I want to I share those with you this morning. Three thoughts about our Sabbath rest. And the first one is, it's a test of trust. Many of us are control freaks. We want to be in control. We have this mentality that, man, I've got to stay tuned into my job every day. In order to keep this business afloat, I've got to, you know, I've got to keep my pulse on it. I've got to make sure I know what's happening. Or, you know, it's my day off, but man, this guy's going to be upset with me if I don't return the phone call, if I don't return the text. But what usually happens? Who do you usually upset? You usually only upset your, your spouse, your kids, because you end up taking that phone call or that, or that text, and they're the ones you upset. How many of you experience at times you think, I can't have any peace if I don't just check in the office and see how things are going? If I don't just check my email to make sure there's not some crisis... And I would, I would say that sometimes we get this savior complex that, you know, we, we're just so used to swooping in and solving people's problems and swooping in and making sure that we can be the fixer. And we kind of get a high out of that. I've talked to guys that say, you know, I've just got, I've got to work till seven or eight at night. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. And if I don't, this next guy, man, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be the guy to get the promotion and not me. And I've been really working hard for that. And being, being a former business guy, nine years in the business world, in sales and marketing, I know what it's like for a boss to say, hey, I know you, you, know, I know you did awesome last month, but what are you doing for me lately? You know, what's the new goal? I know you did $3 million in revenue, revenue last year, but what's the new goal? You're going to do about 3.5 or 4 this year, right? You're sitting there going, man, it was everything I had to get you that. So I, I get there, it, it's hard. There's a lot of pressures on pushing us. Too often, I think some guys and, and some gals will get this badge of honor where we literally think that working long hours is a great badge of honor. And it's great. I, I, I love hard workers. You know, I, lo I love it when people are hard workers. But, you know, I've talked to guys where, man, I hadn't had a day off in three or four weeks. 
And, and I've had those weeks or those months, and, but I, I'm recognizing that the greater things for us as men, as husbands, as wives, is that we want to make sure that I can say I'm a great husband. I'm a great father. I also happen to be successful at what I do, but not for the sake of these things. There's an article in the Business Insider, and it says, Studies show that over time, working long hours can increase your risk of depression, heart attack, and heart disease. And then it says, It seems that working long hours has many insidious effects on health and well-being. Low on free time, workers may abandon good habits that counteract the negative effects of a high-stress lifestyle. Choosing to skip the workout, opt for takeout versus a home-cooked meal, or skimp on sleep. And overworking certainly cuts into focused time with family and friends. Isn't that exactly what we've been talking about? I think Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes because he had been through all these things, is saying that, that article is exactly what I'm talking about. Skimping on family time, skimping on time with your spouse, skimping on your health. That is not the life that God had intended. So let me ask you a question. Do you trust God enough to shut everything down for at least one day? Do you trust God enough to shut everything down for at least one day? Do you trust God with your life, with your future? I want to share with you a little Bible story that I think exemplifies this very well. You may be familiar with it, but I don't know that you maybe have ever looked at it through the lens that I looked at it this week. Moses, of course, has freed the Israelites, and now they're in the wilderness, and uh, they're grumbling. They've just been freed from Egyptian slavery, and now he's got them, and you know, some days have gone by, and they're starting to grumble. And I've had the outlook before as I've looked at them like, stinking Israelites. I mean, come on. You just got to see God do this amazing thing. You're already grumbling. You should be thankful. And then I've realized that there are real times in our life where we struggle. It's no doubt they were probably moms and dads like us in here, and they were overwhelmed. They were wondering, I don't even know where I'm going to lay my head tonight. I don't even know what food my family's going to have. And there's some people in here, you've had those times. I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. I just finished that job, but I don't know where the next one's coming from. And so I, this week I had a new perspective as I looked at them, and I, I looked at them with a little more empathetic eyes. And I hope you'll do the same because I have a tendency, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency as I read the Old Testament sometimes and I see the Israelites, I think of them as complainers. And, and, I, and I had a change of mind as I thought about this in this overwhelmed series. So Exodus chapter 16, verse 11 says, The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Skip to verse 17. It says, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. They were disobedient to what they were to do. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. 
Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning. They were obedient as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there won't be any. Nevertheless, this is what some of us do. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And then I added a little bit from what's on the screen. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Here's what's crazy. When Moses and the Israelites, when they followed God and they followed God's routine, which of course required them to be obedient, which required them to be dependent on them, their needs were provided for. Just follow this plan. Follow what I say to do and you'll have food. But it's interesting because it also includes when they didn't follow God's plan. When they didn't follow that routine. In fact, when they decided to work a little bit extra when they decided to work on the day that they weren't supposed to work, it was empty. There was nothing there. Their, the, the fruit of their labor was gone. And I just thought, you know, it's like those times when I, do, when I work when I'm not supposed to work. And I look up and my wife's a little upset at me and I'm like, I'm sorry. All of a sudden it stinks and it smells like maggots. Because I've blown the peace in the room. I look up. What's wrong? Nothing. What do you mean Nothing. Nothing. What do you mean? You're mad at me because I looked at my phone instead of paying attention to you. Oh, yeah, exactly. It stinks and it's full of maggots. And I'm almost thinking, you know what? Whatever work I thought I would get done and get ahead, I think God's like, you know what? You could have done that tomorrow, but I'm not going to let that be very impactful because you're supposed to do that on your work time, not on your family time. I think he may go so far. So what a great lesson that our Sabbath rest is a test of our trust and our dependence on God. I mean, let's face it, every one of us have to get up and work hard, but we also have to make sure we're balancing our life. And, and you may want to get ahead, but you can't do so at the detriment of your family. You've got to trust that God will take care of you. How many of you have ever left church and pulled into a Chick-fil-A going, darn those guys? Because you wanted some Chick-fil-A on Sunday afternoon, and it's not open. Right? I mean, they've learned balance. They've understood. I've got, we've got employees. We want to treat them right. We want to make sure we allow them to go to church if they want, have a day of rest. And it hasn't hurt their business at all. Obviously, they're through the roof, uh, blessed out of their minds. So secondly, our Sabbath rest is a time of rest and contentment. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's time to slow down. When it's your Sabbath, it's time to slow down. On my day off last week, I was hanging out with my daughter a little bit. She's our youngest faith, and she's not in school yet. So, our, you know, most of us on staff, our day off is on Fridays. We try to kind of shut things down. And... Uh, we're running just a couple of errands, you know, doing some dad and um, daughter things. 
and we had to run into a store and I'm hurrying her and I'm almost dragging her. And I said, come on here, let's go. We got to hurry. And she says, dad, why do we have to hurry? And I, and, and knowing that I'm planning this in my mind, I'm like, I don't know. Why am I hurrying? Why am I always rushed? I need to take time to slow down. And of course, if you knew me, I'm, I've got like three Energizer bunnies. I like to be going all the time. If you knew my mom, she's got six. So it just, there's, there's times I, can, I need to learn to slow down. And it's my day of rest. And I'm dragging my daughter up to the price chopper to run in. So my wife and I like to watch this show called Island Life. It's on HDTV. It's kind of like house hunters, but they're doing it on the island. And they're, they're you know, building houses and, and, and checking out houses on there. And everybody is always saying, after they kind of flash back, they've been there 30 or 60 or 90 days, they're like, man, it's just so, the pace is so much slower. Island life is just so much slower. And we're sitting there looking at each other going, man, what is island life like? We would just like to experience island life. Just that slower pace is so appealing. Well, I want to give you some, some rest ideas with those six priorities in mind, some things to think about. And the first one, because this is number one on the priority list, take some time with God. You know, being in charge of spiritual growth for our church and next steps, I'm often talking with people about them reading their Bibles and them taking time to pray. And I usually get people like, well, I'm just, I'm busy. I'm just so busy. I don't have time. But this is the time where on your day of rest, your number one priority to hit should be that. So I say this, get up, let the first thing you do on your day of rest, let it be, I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm just going to be alone for a while with God. Do, do the things that you always say you don't have time to do on the other days because i got to rush off to work. Spend some time with God. I'm telling you this, take some time to do nothing. You know it's okay to do nothing. I know we, we kind of live in a, a society where it says you can't, that you've always got to be doing things, that you're an unproductive person if you're not doing something all the time. I say do nothing. Now, you can't do nothing all the time. There, there's times where you've got to be active, but there's times it's okay to take a nap. It literally is okay to take a nap. I had someone offer me some money after the first service thanking me, telling me, hey, thanks, I told my wife, I get to go home and take a nap. I don't have to do anything. Sit around, read a good book, watch a movie, spend some time resting and relaxing. You've got to do that. You cannot always be going 100 miles an hour. And as you rest, I really think it's a time to thank God. It's a time to be uh, content and thank God and reflect on all that he's done for you. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to kind of think about it. Could you honestly say you're content with your life? You see, I think you can learn to be. And I say that not because I've just figured out the formula, but because Paul tells us how. In Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, and these are, these are verses that many of us could quote you could quote 13 because you use it as your mantra for all that you can do. I can do all things through Christ. But if you look at the other verses before that, listen to what Paul says. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. We have both. We have people in need and we have people in plenty right here. Are you both content? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What is it? 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He has learned that his rest and his contentment is in Jesus. He knows that he can have peace knowing that his life is in God's hands. And he can rest in that. And I hope that while you take time on a Sabbath day, literally to reflect and be thankful and content for all that God has done for you. Now, the third thing that I was thinking as I thought of this Sabbath rest is that it's, it's a treasure for life to its fullest. In John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so it's interesting. Not only do we have eternal life in Jesus, we get eternal life by following him. But I believe that God has set up this Sabbath system of rest and balance so that if we would follow God's routines, if we would follow the, the, the daily routines that he gives us of taking time in the evening, taking time for rest, I believe that Satan wouldn't have a chance at stealing your joy. I believe that Satan would have a chance at bringing unbalance and, and no peace in your life. That literally if you would follow those, you'd have some challenges, but you would know how to handle them. You'd be right in the midst of God's will and routine for your life because God has given us this great treasure. In fact, according to the Bible, our rest, our Sabbath rest, isn't just a day off. But as Genesis 1.31 said, God, as he finished creating the world, he literally said, he looked and said, it is very good. It was very good. And so I believe that God didn't just cease from his work, but he kind of looked and he had a moment of enjoyment of all that he had created. And it reminds me of a, of a saying from a, a, a movie that as a kid scared me to death. And I don't, I don't recommend you seeing this. I'm not quite sure how I saw it as a kid, but because it was back in, I don't know if it was in the early 80s, um, but it was The Shining. And if you uh, know what I'm talking about, you recognize that you don't want your kids to watch it. And I'm not sure how I did as a young boy. But there's a quote in there that, uh, that Jack Nicholson says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And as I thought about that, I just thought, you know, in our life, God does want us to live our life to its fullest. And so there's times we need to stop. We need to enjoy God. We need to stop and enjoy his creation. And we need to enjoy the fruits of our labor. We need to enjoy time having fun with our family and with our friends. You know, some of you, you probably get paid time off. Uh, maybe you get a couple of weeks. But God has wrapped up a treasure of 52 days. He's wrapped up this treasure of 52 days off for you to enjoy life and for you to, to live life to its fullest. That's literally nearly two months off. That's two months off in a year that God says, hey, enjoy life, rest, regroup, spend time with me, spend time with your family. So I want to give you a few thoughts, a few ideas on taking a Sabbath rest. And the first one is take some time for enjoyment and do the things that fill your tank. I would imagine we've got a lot of different temperaments in this room. Some of you are introverts, some of you are extroverts. If you're an introvert, man, do some, do some things by yourself that just allow you to enjoy time. You know, go out and sit in a, a tree stand, go do a little fishing, go, go to a park, Utah, I haven't been there, but there's this commercial on television that shows the five national parks in Utah. That is some beauty that I want to see. And so find a place in, close by that you can just escape to. My wife and kids, we escaped just a few weeks ago. There's a little park in Parkville. 
Man, we had an awesome time just going for a walk and being in nature. Man, enjoyed joy God's creation and, and boy, just enjoy some peace and quiet. And then some of you, if you're an extrovert, people fill your tank. You get invigorated by being around people. For you, not being around them is kind of like dull and, and, and you, you, you get fed by being around people. So man, go, go to a ball game with some friends. Have a barbecue. Man, do those things that you know, man, this was awesome today. Yes, I had a little time to rest and relax, spend time with family, but I really filled my tank by this time that I had. So pause, enjoy life, think of some other things. I think I gave you a few blanks. What are some other things that would help you uh, to enjoy life and pause and enjoy it to its fullest? And I want to I say this as we kind of head towards closing. Do you really understand the seriousness of a Sabbath rest? Do you really understand the seriousness of it? You see, it was sinful before not to take it. Now it's stupid not to take it. And my little five-year-old was in here before, and when I said that word stupid, she kind of looked at me like, you can't say that word. But it was sinful before not to take it, but now it's stupid not to take it. You need to, you need to take your Sabbath rest. Mark 8.36 says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Now, I'm not saying, I don't share this verse with you because I believe if you don't take the Sabbath, you're forfeiting your soul. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if your life's priorities and, and, and the activities of your life are purely for gaining what this world has to offer, it's very possible that you're missing God's plan for your life and possibly missing God's eternal plan for your life. I want to make sure I say that so you understand. You may possibly, if your life is fully driven, forgetting all that the world has to offer material-wise and Every experiential thing you can do, like it says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? I want to make sure no one walks out of here today thinking and analyzing their life and saying, that's me. And maybe that reason is because they missed Jesus in their life. Now, there are times where we can get our priorities out of whack, but I'm talking about your whole life all the time. You know that, that that's you. Spend some time this week and assess your life and your priorities and figure out where you're at. Where, where are you at in God's plan? Do I have Christ in my life? Because let me tell you this, when you have Jesus, he changes your life. When you have Jesus in your life, he changes your priorities. He changes the things you want to do. Not overnight, I'm testament to that. But slowly but surely, he changes your desires and what you want to do. So don't waste your days off. Please don't waste your days off. Use them to pursue God. Use them to pursue your spouse, your children, your friend, your hobbies, and your health. And I'll say this, you, uh, you've got you've to fight for them. You literally have to fight for them. There's going to be people. There's going to be things that try to rob and interfere with your Sabbath rest. There's going to be things that are going to try to get on your calendar. There's going to be t- uh, people at times that you've just got to be wise about defending your time. And even if hobbies, sometimes hobbies can get in the way of you uh, really having time with your spouse. Sometimes people can rob time from God from all the things that are kind of flipped. The bottom three can kind of interfere with what's supposed to be the top three in your life. So I want, I want to say this, and I want to say it very clearly. The routine that God has set up, the routine that God has set up helps us to have balance and joy. 
Now, as I close, I want to share with you, as I mentioned, I've, I've had several people I've asked, hey, how are things going? Busy, really busy. And I want to shake things up for a minute. I want to just challenge you. What if, what if the answer changed? What if if someone came up to you this week and said, hey, how are things going? What if you said balanced, really balanced? Now, people are right away going to go, what are you talking about? And I think it's an opportunity to open up, perhaps at times, a spiritual conversation. What does that mean? What does that mean, balanced, really balanced? Well, you know, I've, I've established some priorities in my life, and I'm, I'm trying my best to put God, my wife, and my kids first. So I'm striving to be balanced. Man, how do you do that? Well, let me tell you how. I try to make sure in the evening. I try to make sure I have it. Can you see how you could open up a conversation? What if a congregation, what if a community of people got so good at this, at honoring God and their families, do you think we'd have less challenges? Do you think we'd have less problems so that when people came up, instead of the status quo, I'm busy, really busy, which also means that if you knew what's going on in my home, it's, it's hectic, there's no peace, there's no balance, there's no joy, I'm about to pull my hair out, my wife is losing it. We really are just hanging on by a thread. But when you ask us, we're good. We're doing good. We're really busy. Are you willing to change your life? This series is meant for us to reflect on how God established for us to do things and then make some steps at doing them. How many of you have thought of someone who needs to hear this series over the last couple of weeks? I know that I have. I've thought about, you know, not only my own life, my own family, friends that need to hear this. I want to encourage you to reach out to them. I've had people asking, how can I point someone to, to the internet to, so they can watch this? Let's pray for those that you have on your mind right now. And I want to pray for you as well, who perhaps came here today because you're overwhelmed. Let's pray.